Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Innovation Learning Theater. Uh, today, we are going to learn about measuring the vitality of cities and the implications of the future. My name is Wendy Funkhauser. I'm the Vice President of Client Services for ISS. ISS is a leading workplace experience and facility management company. We partner with clients to magnetize the workspace through uh, engagement and well-being. We minimize the impact on the environment while we're doing that, and we protect and maintain properties around the globe. So we are very proud to sponsor this session. And now it is my pleasure to turn it over to Greg Leibowitz, the Executive Director of Innovation and Insight Advisory of Avis & Young. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm actually not here to talk about return to office. I'm actually here to talk about the vitality of cities the, and the vibrancy thereof using groundbreaking, uh, first of all, technology and data analytics using cell phone mobility data to dictate not just what's happening in real time, but what's happening in the future. So I'm going to start on a negative note. Click. Let's do the old school way here. So, without too much exaggeration, I must have post-COVID gotten the same question 300 times. Who's returning to the office? And before we had badge swipes, before we had mobility data, it was always a finger in the air exercise, right? This is what this client's doing. This is what uh, we see in here on the ground, but uh, very rarely contextualized, always referencing historical data. And, that's the issue, that's the opportunity we have at hand here. So I have a research background and leveraging historical data to dictate what's happening on the ground in terms of return to office efforts to effectuate change and return to office strategy is the real estate equivalent of malpractice. I know firsthand because I was committing malpractice for a long time. So, but where we are today is we're now focused on real time and predictive analytics, uh, again, using our handy-dandy cell phones here, from which we can more proactively assess what's happening in terms of return to office and more broadly the vitality of cities. And that's exactly what we're gonna focus our, this discussion on today. It's not just what's happening in terms of uh, who's returning to the office and the contextualization of that, but what are some of the leading indicators that will inform return to office in the future? and beyond. So, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go to avisonyoung.com and we're going to go to the Vitality Index. So each and every one of us will have access to exactly what I'm about to show with you today. The Vitality Index, learn more, and this is it. Couple of housekeeping items here. So, what you're looking at is cell phone mobility data across 52 markets in North America. And this data is interpreted as on a weekly basis in percentage terms. So, given a reference data start date versus the most recent date that data is available, what's the percent change, right? 
um, is how most mobility data is referenced. Have you seen Castle Systems data or uh, other mobility data providers? That's exactly how this data is interpreted. And our mobility, our mobility data provider is Orbital Insight. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to shift the days of the week to every day of the week. So the default is weekdays. We're going to go to every day of the week. And I'm going to the United States for the purposes of this discussion. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to change the start date to the same date three years ago. Custom date. The, date, the most recent week that data is available is the week of October 17th, 2022. I'm going to go back to the week of October 14th, 2019, so it's controls or seasonality. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on all property types. So we're at the country level here. We're going to use compare by property type, and I'm going to change the, the reference to the start date as a percentage of, rent of as a percentage change. There we go. Okay. So when office employers say go back to the office, they point to two things. They say one, students are back in class. So what you're looking at here is all the ed educational areas of interest are effectually back to normal. Right? So we're down about 15% compared with the same week three years ago, in 2019. And you see these dips, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. Those valleys are summer months. School's not in session. But today, we know school's back in session. So. That's one component. The second component is you're comfortable going everywhere else. You're comfortable going to a Blink-182 concert. You're comfortable going to restaurants. You're comfortable going everywhere but the office. So you employees return to the office, right? And what we see here are some peaks and valleys again. Um, so we're down about 21% compared to the same week three years ago. but. We saw during the summer months uh, when there's concerts, MLB games, and so forth, that we were actually beyond pre-COVID normalcy in a lot of respects, specifically as it relates to non-office recreational areas of interest. But taking a look at office, a very different story. <laughs> so return to office, these, this is literally thousands of data points. We're basically back to summer month levels. We're down 55% compared with the same week three years ago, and it has not materially changed. We have to keep in mind a few things here. One, there's a humanistic element at play here. So disrupting the way people work overnight, saying to employees who may have been working remotely and, were, and have been productive in doing so, go back to the office even one or three days a week is disruptive to their work habits. Second component here, very competitive labor market environment. The current unemployment rate for individuals with a bachelor's degree or higher in the United States is 1.8%. So employees simply had entirely too much leverage. When employers said, go back to the office, there was pushback, right? Almost unequivocally. But the tides are starting to turn. So uh, they start, they're turn, starting to turn in two respects. One, the data I just referenced, the non-office areas of interest are returning to some semblance of normalcy. But the ties are turning economically as well. right? So we look at job postings data as a representation of a leading indicator of whether or not employees or employers are going to have leverage. In the past five months, job postings have dec declined 25% in the office industries in the United States. So those economic headwinds are turning. 
we're going to reach some semblance of equilibrium in the future state. By equilibrium, I mean pencils down, post-COVID normalcy, we're going to get back to some semblance of normalcy. Now, when's that, when is that going to occur? Maybe in four to six months, early 2023 is my best guess. And whether we're down 30% or 40%, who knows, right? But that's going to serve as a great proxy for the space needs of office occupiers at a macro level. But we have to dig a little bit deeper here. So in terms of what's happening industry to industry, does, that, does anyone who is not an Avison Young employee have a guess as to the number one office industry in terms of return to office in the United States? Is it banks? Is it tech? Lawyers? Lawyers? It is number one by far. Flexible office providers. By far, the number one office industry in terms of return to office. They're down 10% compared with the pre-COVID normalcy. Why? Office occupiers need an outlet. They don't know what their space needs are going to be one month, two months, 10 years into the future. And these flexible office providers provide an outlet to them, a needed outlet. There's also a placemaking element here at play here as well, as we could come to appreciate. A really interesting finding. Then, of course, we see everyone else all clustered into this fifth, down 50% to even down to 88%, sorry, 78% relative to the same week pre-COVID. There's been a lot of notional uh, conjecture as it relates to what's happening in the office sector, urban versus suburban locations. So I'm going to look at office. And what we did at, at a micro level was we tagged each and every office property to an urban, suburban, rural, or urban, suburban location. And the findings are fascinating. So hub and spoke has been a prevailing theme post-COVID, right? But what's happening is that urban and urban-suburban locations are back to some semblance of normalcy way, way beyond rural and suburban locations, right? So the employees' concerns as it relates to how they get to the office, as it relates to uh, exposure to others through mass transit, has declined over time, right? We're all here. We're jammed in here like sardines. Not a single one of us is wearing a mask. So there's the health-related concerns related to the virus aren't necessarily impacting when or how people return to the office. But that's not enough. There's a lot of conjecture saying, well, you have a high-quality office building, so people have to return to the office, right? There's a placemaking element here at play here as well. Yes and no. We looked at each and every office industry. So from Trophy being the highest quality buildings, these are largely the top 10% of the market in terms of quality, to the lowest quality buildings in Class C. And what's happening is that Class C buildings have actually outpaced return to office rates by office classification relative to Trophy buildings, just barely. So Class C buildings here in the green are the top of the list. Trophies following somewhat further behind, but then you have A and B buildings at the bottom of that list. Why? So it's a function of how people work. So if you're in a Class C building, you're probably some form of a nonprofit or institution or similar industry, and you need to be in the office to be productive as it relates to how you do your day-to-day -day job, right? Trophy buildings are in all different directions, right? It's hard to make a conclusive assumption as it relates to what's driving trophy. So from, in one respect, you have 
uh, front office bankers who are back in the office five days a week, and then you have uh, back of the envelope or back office office employees who aren't necessarily back to the office every day of the week, and then you have the in-between. The in-between Class A and B buildings. They don't. They aren't trophy quality buildings in terms of placemaking. They are not going to compete on price. So there's somewhere in between. So there's opportunities for more leverage in a lot of respects from an occupier's perspective. Is anyone here from Chicago? Show of hands. A couple of Chicagoans. This is a high risk portion of the presentation. Um, so we're going to go to property type. I'm going to highlight Chicago. So I'm a New Yorker. I know the New York data. The New York data is sound. I don't know Chicago all that well. So we're going to see on the ground if this kind of substantiates what you see and feel each and every day. This is going to reaffirm some of the placemaking place elements I referenced earlier. We're in Chicago. OK. So education, back to some semblance of normalcy. Healthcare, back to some semblance of normalcy. These are hospital systems, ER rooms, et cetera. Office, not back to normal. Uh, this is a very diversified economy, if I know anything about the market, uh, which is very little, but bear with me. So more diversified than most office markets. And what we're seeing in terms of RTO is basically the same as what we're seeing throughout the United States. We're down about 60% compared with pre-COVID levels. But there's a placemaking element here as well. So what we've done, too, is we've geofenced retail experiences to draw a parallel between like, what the experience actually is when returned to the office. And what's most relevant here, amongst all of these different retail experiences, we have online. These are last mile distribution centers, not relevant for our purposes here today. Shopping malls, big box retailers, local retailers. These are grocery stores. And uh, the grocery stores are actually back to some semblance of normalcy. But at the very bottom of the list are retail corridors. So I heard from a couple of people this morning that, hey, listen, there really isn't a reason to come back to the office because like, a lot of the retail shops are closed. I go back to the office, where am I going to get a cup of coffee? If I have to get a cup of coffee, I have to go a few blocks. If I have to go a few blocks in Chicago in the winter, that's not so pleasant either. So there's a placemaking element here that we have to be mindful of as it relates to dictating those return to office efforts, but actually the vibrancy of cities more broadly. In a city like Chicago, this is definitely the this is definitely an inhibitor in terms of return to office, as we found elsewhere in the United States. I'm going to go back. Excuse me. Close. So, a couple of uh, broader next steps here. I'm going to go back to the country level. I'm going to go back to the market. And I'm going to highlight just office for a moment. So in terms of next steps, what's the, what's the takeaway? What, what are the interpretations of this data? What I want to emphasize here, first and foremost, the predictive elements at play here, right? Returns to normalcy elsewhere, outside of the offices, is a leading indicator of what's, going to, what's to come in terms of return to office rates. There are different layers to the analysis, right? So. It's not just, hey, what's happening at a 30,000-foot view in terms of return to office. It's what's happening in terms of office industries, what's happening in terms of locations, what's happening in terms of the vibrancy of cities and the cross-sections in between, what's happening in terms of days of the week. So what's getting released actually on the 9th is going to be an analysis of each day of the week, all areas of interest, who's returning to where. 
So are people actually showing up to offices on Mondays and Fridays? That's a way to find out. Answer is no. Um, but <laughs> um, more to come there. Um, we have a whole drip campaign associated with this, all different takes. Um, next, uh, next up, as I mentioned earlier, days of the week. Um, you probably have a million questions. And unfortunately, we, don't, we won't have time to get through them all. But uh, we have a handful of ABC Young employees here across a variety of different professions. We have consultants. We have myself. We have uh, brokers. We have uh, slash transaction managers and everyone in between. We have a booth set up right over there. Uh, I'll be there all afternoon, answer any questions you may have um, as it relates to the data, how to interpret it, what does it mean for me, uh, what's going on with the data, I don't understand it. Uh, happy to answer any and all questions you may have. We have a couple of minutes left, actually. Uh, are there any immediate questions? I get an answer for the group. Is everyone, conf everyone gets it. <laughs> any immediate questions? Well, happy to address it up. Oh. Yep. Great question. So the, the question was, what's predictive about this? So what's predictive just in a return to office persona for a moment is really the return to normalcy at other areas of interest. Uh, we didn't dive into transit as an example of that. This is Chicago transit. So we could appreciate why Chicago transit may not be up to some semblance of pre-COVID normalcy just yet, uh, which serves as, again, kind of an inhibitor for return to office rates in Chicago specifically. In New York City, that's certainly the case in some respects. Uh, drawing parallels between not just that, but what's happening across the markets. Uh, students being back in class is always what uh, an office CEO is going to say when mandating return to, return to work. Your students are back in class, get back to the office. You're comfortable going somewhere else, like a sports arena, go back to the office. <laughs> so drawing those parallels is really where this analysis comes to life in a really meaningful way. And that, and one thing I, I didn't address directly is that this gets refreshed every week. Every Sunday, this gets refreshed. So Monday morning, this is my, this is my gospel. Um, so when people ask me who's returning to the work, I don't guess. I just go right to this index, say, here it is. Because um, that's really what I'm out here to do. It's what Avison Young is here to do. We're, we're endeavoring, have endeavored to be the source of truth from a data and analytics perspective. And this is the tip of the iceberg. Right, so I referenced a couple other data sets. I referenced BLS data, I referenced MC data in terms of uh, job postings data. So it's the culmination of all those data sets, pr proprietary and third party, into a curated solution is where Avison Young adds value at the end of the day. And that's where, that's where I add value. And most critically, how to interpret this data, right? Because at 30,000 feet, it may not be entirely clear what's driving those efforts. Mind you, I've looked at this data for 11 months. Right? I've cheated. I've been looking, looking at this for 11 months. I find something new every day, including this morning. Someone told me something new. So happy to walk you all through it. My contact information is in the bottom of this screen. Feel free to reach out at any point in time. Again, I'm going to be over there. So all afternoon, feel free to stop by, say hi, start trashing out, <laughs> uh, short of that. Um, happy to answer any questions you may have. And uh, thank you for your time and participation. Thank you.